glad you guys are out here. Welcome again to our parking lot praise time. Uh, we are excited that we can again gather. We got great weather again. We're going to thank the Lord for that. And that we are getting ready to worship. Um, we are excited um, that we have our friend of ministry um, becoming our own. Scott is going to be leading us this morning um, in our worship. We've, um, we've, we've flipped a little our youth focus. And um, this morning, we're going to be hearing from him um, and his team in worship. And then we're going to be hearing from um, our brother Cletus, youth pastor Cletus, from the word. And so we are excited again that we can be together. And so prepare your hearts and your minds. Um, join in, you know, stand up, sit, however you choose to do that. There are some chairs up here. But we want to continue to praise the Lord in the venue that we have. And um, we thank him that we've been able to do this in this environment. And so let's join together in prayer and let's join together in worship. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship you, God, wherever we are. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this platform, Lord, in this place Father, that we can worship you corporately. We thank you, Lord, for the brothers and sisters that have come. We thank you for those that can hear, Lord, out in the area. And we pray again that this will honor you, Lord, that as we worship, as we praise, as we pray, as we hear the word, Lord, that indeed it would continue to shape and to change us. Lord, may this not be just some ritual that we do on a day of the week, but may it be transforming. May it cause us to look to you more intently. May it cause us to desire to worship you, Lord, more passionately. And so this morning we pray that if there's any that are coming, oh God, down or despondent or discouraged, may they leave God encouraged because of the word that they hear, the word that is shared, Lord, the word that they sing. I pray for those this morning, God, that need your healing touch, Lord, may they find it in you as they look to you, as they look in your face, Lord, may they find that healing that only you can bring. And I pray this morning, those that are coming encouraged, having been blessed and realizing your blessing this week, may they share it with someone else and continue to worship and praise you. So, Father, however we come, I pray that you would meet us. And, Father, that we would indeed leave here saying it was good to have come together under the Lord in worship. I pray that you will let the word, Lord, uh, that our youth pastor Cletus speaks, Lord, touch our hearts, cause us to reflect and think, and to ask us what must we do now that we've heard your word. And Father, we just commit it all to you and give this new week to you. Continue to lead us and guide us in this environment. And although things have changed and are drastically different, I pray, God, that we would realize you are the same. And that because of that, Lord, we can trust in you and we can rest in you. We give this all to you this morning in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Scott. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. This is like my second church home. This is, this is like my family. So I'm really excited. I want to kick things off high energy this morning. I want to start off with something to upbeat to get everybody waking up. And uh, 
I know we're broadcasting to the individual cars. If you can hear me, can you honk your horn one time? Is that okay? Can we, there we go. All right, all right. Let's kick it off, y'all. Classy, I'm ready. I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm just trying to make it through. I just want to try to be good and do everything I can do for you. Yeah. I want to prove to you yeah. that all my love is true. Yeah. That all my love's for you. Yeah. That all my trust is proven. Heart was empty. I did not know who I was. Peace was distant. Something missing. I refused to open up. Say it again. I did not know who I was. Peace was distant, something missing. I refused to open up. Hey, hey, I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. I know you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. You won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall. Unless it's in your love. I know you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall. Unless it's in your love. I know you won't let me fall. Yeah. What's love got to do? Got to do with a God in space. And and I'm just saying what they say And if I had to plead my case It wouldn't matter anyway And I'm not looking to save face But this is what I'd have to say I did not know who I was My peace was distant, something missing I refused to open up Say it again I did not know who I was peace was distant, something missing I refused to open up Oh yeah, say I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. No, you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. No, you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall. Unless it's in your love, I know you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall. Unless it's in your love, I know you won't let me fall. See, I know I'm no good, and I know that I'm not righteous. But you made me right, yeah. You heal me with your stripes, yeah. I cannot deny it. Love me like you promised. And he told me I couldn't work for The kind of love that you give me I couldn't search for Then you took my beginning and made it worth more And lit a fire within me just like the earth's core Earth's yours and in its fullness it couldn't thirst more See forgiveness an endless witness of your story Cause in my repentance it's all for your glory Could never pretend that I could deserve surely Hey, I know you won't let me fall Unless it's in your love, I know you won't let me fall. Hey, I know you won't let me fall. Unless it's in your love, I know you won't let me fall. 
I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. I know you won't let me fall, God. Hey. I know you won't let me fall unless it's in your love. I know you won't let me fall. I know you won't let me fall. You saved me. You gave me grace. You gave me salvation. When you gave your life on the cross for me, you did more than just give me an opportunity. You gave me eternal security. So I just want to thank you, God, because I know you will never let me fall unless it's in your love. Thank you, Lord. Hey, hey. This is my feel-good song. This song gets me hyped in the morning because it's a lot going on right now. But in spite of everything that's going on, I know I serve a great God, a God who greatly loves me. And so no matter what the situation looks like, I feel phenomenal. Try to sum it up in the words, but I cannot. Putting all my feelings into verbs that I can drop. Every day I'm putting in this work, no handout. People want to see me doing worse, so I can't doubt you. I can't lose. I'm going to choose the way, the truth, the light. Because if you only knew what I knew, you would too. So when they try to ask me, how are you? Hey, I feel phenomenal. I feel phenomenal. When they ask me how I feel. Hey, hey, I feel phenomenal. When they ask me how I feel, I feel phenomenal. Feel phenomenal. Feel phenomenal. Cause my God is real. I feel phenomenal. Feel phenomenal. Feel phenomenal. So I just can't be still. I'm just trying to keep composure. Cause I know it's real. Yeah, your joy, you take me over. You've been trying to tell me it's because of what I told you. Savor in my nostrils like a couple morning folders. I guess it's why you know I stay so dedicated cause I can't deny. You've been mine my whole life. You got me stuck believing I can fly. Even when I do not feel a hundred, I'ma get up. Even when I face a lot of problems, I won't give up. I am not a dimmer, I'm a lighter. Yes, I'm lit up. I'm about to show you there's a fire that's within us. You, I can't lose. I'm gonna choose the way, the truth, the light. Cause if you only knew what I knew, you would too. So when they try to ask me, how are you, I feel. I feel phenomenal, I feel phenomenal When they ask me how I feel, I feel Hey, I feel, hey, I feel phenomenal Even when it's real, I feel phenomenal I feel phenomenal, I feel phenomenal When they ask me how I feel, I feel phenomenal I feel phenomenal Hey, hey I feel like if you happy and you know it and you really want to show it, clap your hands. And if you see your blessings flowing, because at one point you was hopeless, do your dance. Hey, 
Hey, hey, and don't worry about those people who gon' try to keep you down. They ain't your fans. They ain't your fans. See, for the people who don't get it, I'ma do my best to help you understand. This all I'm saying. I feel phenomenal. I feel phenomenal. I feel phenomenal. Hey, how you feel, say? How you feel? How you feel? When my problems are real. Through the trial and through the test, through my heartache and through my mess, I feel phenomenal. Yeah, I feel phenomenal. How y'all feel this morning? Do y'all feel phenomenal? Because I feel phenomenal because I serve a phenomenal God who gives me phenomenal peace, who gives me a phenomenal grace, who gave me a phenomenal salvation that I'll always walk in. Feel phenomenal. I feel phenomenal. Feel phenomenal. I feel phenomenal, y'all. I feel absolutely phenomenal. I feel ecstatic to be here this morning. I feel grateful that I get to praise and worship with y'all this morning. And, um, we just, we gonna slow it down real quick. I just want to take a moment to just kind of talk to the Lord and, and we've we've praised but I just want to spend some time in worship if that's okay. That I need 
need, that I need, yeah, that I need everything that I need, that I need, yeah, that I need, that I need, yeah, and I'll be the one you're looking for. I know that you are God, I know that you are Lord, and I know that you're the one, the one that I adore, and I know that you are everything I need more, everything that I, that I need, that I need, Lord, that I need, everything that I need, that I need, yeah, that I need, everything that I need, and I'll be the one you're looking for I know that you are God I know that you are Lord and I know that you're the one the one that I adore and I know that you are everything I need and more David did 
singing praise like David did. Whoa, hey, hey, wanna dance like David did. I wanna sing, I wanna sing like David did. You hear me on this? Cars, back row. You can hear me? Okay, you can. Got it. particular setup here. All right. Good, good, good. So we're in First Peter still. Um, I was per- particularly excited when I was uh, looking forward rather to, to doing First Peter when I was told I would have that because First Peter is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's one of my favorite books, particularly because as a teenager, First Peter was that uh, reality check for me. Am I good on volume? Up. We need up on the volume. Um. What about now? How are we doing now? More? Do we need to, I need to switch mics. That better? Zero feedback. Okay, that's, that's better. All right. Uh, yeah. So um, I enjoy the book of First Peter. Um, it was a uh, uh, for me as a teenager. It was a reality check that um, kind of the Christian life won't be peaches and creams, which is what I heard from the pulpit all the time. Uh, but yet, I did not see that in the lives of people around me. I did not see uh, rainbows and butterflies. I saw people hurting. I saw people dealing with uh, real-life issues um, that didn't go away just because, you know, God had something better for them around the corner. Um, it stayed there. That was just kind of what life might have been for them. So I enjoyed First Peter a lot. So hopefully uh, someone could 
get a little bit of that today as we go through chapter four. Um, but also, I think First Peter is easily to kind of dismiss. Dismiss not in the sense of you ignore it, but um, there's things you agree with and you can just kind of move on. It says Christians shouldn't get drunk. And you're like, okay, cool, yeah, moving on. It says uh, that Christians may suffer for the faith and you agree with that. It's just easy for you to move on. But um, I think there's a lot more there to it uh, that we should not just easily dismiss. So that's the goal today. Um, let's pray for that real quick. God, we ask that you use this time to speak to us, uh, humble us, uh, and let us let us know what what's in this fourth chapter of the book. Preserve is First Peter that you'd want us to use uh, for us uh, this week. Open our hearts, open our minds. Amen. So, um, as I'll, I'll attack this kind of just uh, with one guess Bible studying method that would be for you as you read this and other books to read it as you think um, try to figure out what would the original audience have thought when they heard this don't do not rely simply on what does it mean to me in English in 2020 but what made what would may have meant to the original audience who read it uh, so as we do that I'll kind of read the first two verses just intro it same way he did and then I'll We'll talk about the second half of the chapter, and then we'll move back up and talk about the first half of the chapter. So let's get into it. Verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. All right, for whoever has suffered from the flesh has ceased from sin. So there's a lot of questions there. As Pastor says, when you see it, therefore, go find out what it's there for. Uh, what is this suffering? We're talking about Christ. Uh, we don't really say flesh anymore. Uh, but uh, what is this way of thinking that he's telling us to arm ourselves with? And so I believe this is kind of looking back at verse uh, 18 of chapter 3, just a little verses back, where he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So the suffering he's particularly talking about more than anything wasn't just that, um, wasn't just that uh, Christ lived a human life or that, you know, people didn't like him, but in particularly that he suffered on the cross, the righteous for the unrighteous. And he's saying, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking that you may have to die for someone else the righteous for the unrighteous. And he says this particularly because um, he knows in the rest of this chapter, he's going to give his readers a really tough task and the different commands he gives. And when we have tough tasks, we need good motivation. And if that motivation isn't permanent, if it's temporary motivation, our actions will also be temporary. How does this play out? I'm sure we've seen before we do 30-day diets, right? And it may be hard, but we do them. But when day 31 comes around, it's so easy for us to drop it because the 30-day diet itself is over. Now, we may stick around 30, day 32, 33, but when day, we don't really make it to day 40 too much. We're back to eating like trash again. At my job, we've got this um, center desk in the middle of all of our cubicles. It's kind of just this storage area where everyone's stuff goes. And whenever our boss is meeting a board member or meeting someone special, our supervisor comes in and says, hey, she says, you need to clean this off. You need to clean this off. And we do. But as soon as we see that person leaving the meeting, we kind of watch them out the windows, walk away, and then all of our stuff 
goes right back to the center because the motivation wasn't clean it because it needs to be clean and stay clean. It was clean it because of this meeting happening. And when that meeting is over, we went right back to our old ways. Students, we do the same thing. Um, often I've seen so much, you need a certain GPA or certain credits in order to get a scholarship or be in an after school club or to, to be in athletics. And they say, hey, you need a 3.5, 3.0, 2.5. And then the second you get that scholarship or when it's the off season or if you get kicked off that basketball team, that GPA just kind of drops because you don't need to keep it anymore. So Peter's saying here, don't let your Christian walk uh, be like your high school GPA. It needs to be a permanent motivation based on the fact that Jesus has died for you. So whenever you're thinking, man, it's not Sunday, well, your motivation should still be, he died for you. I don't feel like it. Well, he died for you. This person didn't appreciate it last time I did this. Well, he died for you. And so that motivation is still fair, still there, and it eliminates this sense of unfairness. Right. Oftentimes we want things to be fair. I don't I only want to do stuff that that makes sense to me. Well, he's saying, well, if you look at this, what Jesus did was not fair. It was the righteous dying for the unrighteous. He wasn't punished for things he did. He was punished for things we would do. So when you when you look down, skipping down to verse 12, he's saying, hey, don't be surprised when this comes to you, when you start getting in trouble for stuff you didn't do when you're being accused of things, when you've done everything right, because this is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. And if you try to adopt a mentality that says, I only want to get punished for things I actually did wrong, then you're not fully sharing in the sufferings of Christ if you try to go about your life that way. And so the, the, these, this audience would have fully understood what he's talking about here. They've, they've already, there's some debate about when First Peter was written, but either way, they've got a long history of Jewish people and Christians being killed for things they didn't do by the thousands and thousands. It would have been as if uh, Peter had wrote to black America in the 60s saying, hey, be careful, people may treat you different because of your skin tone, right? They would have understood that that's no light thing. We've got this long history of slavery plus everything going on out and stuff that will come. He's telling us this is about to be bad. This is about to be really bad. And I think we can miss that sometimes because we, we want so bad to relate. And so what we do is we're like, oh, you know, family life is hard. Things are going on in my job. So I'm suffering and I'm a Christian. So let me put two and two together. I'm suffering as a Christian. And I think that might be missing the point here. I think that might be missing the point here, right? So when we say, right, he says, particularly 14, are you insulted for the name of Christ? Well, what did Christ do? Like he, he, there was physical pain attached to that. When we read verse 15, he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer. And we think of suffering as a murderer. I don't imagine any of us think someone who committed murder and then went home and got into an argument with his wife. That's not what we're imagining suffering as a murder. It's saying particularly you killed someone and now you are receiving the penalty that comes with having murdered someone. You stole something, suffering as a thief, and now you're receiving the penalty that comes with being a thief. Jesus the same way, right? He, was, he received the penalty for claiming that he was God. So when he's saying suffering as a Christian, he's talking about like not your knee pain. He's like, are you receiving some sort of penalty? Is someone doing something to you as a result of you actually living this Christian life? 
as someone punishing you for being Christian. So bow down in verse 19, he kind of wraps this back around. It's like, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their soul to a faithful creator while doing good. And when we read that, it's easy for us to kind of cutesify the first half and then so that it applies to us and then keep all the second half of the sentence. Well, we don't read, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. We read, therefore, let those who believe in God entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And he's not saying that. He's like, hey, I'm writing to the people who are actually out there doing the work and suffering. Right? I'm not writing to someone who just believes in God and sits at home in front of the TV for hours a day. Right? So ask yourself, if you want to know, does this apply to me? Does this apply to me? Think, in this country, if Christianity was illegal, if it was actually illegal to be Christian, think about your last week, Monday through Friday, would you have gone to jail? Are you doing anything where you are actually out there living the Christian life, doing the work? And I get you, sure, you can say, I, oh, I didn't run that stop sign because I'm Christian. I'm supposed to obey the laws of the land. That's cool, but there's, there's not a gang of atheists out there just running stop signs. You know, uh, that's, not, that, that's not what he's talking about. And so you need to understand your mindset should not be, oh, I just need to be a good student. I just need to do my grades, get good grades, do my homework, be okay. I just need to be a good worker, show up on time, do the work. Like, Jesus did not die for you to mind your own business. He did not die for you to, to, to sit in the room on the game or on YouTube for hours or to just show up to work, be a good worker, and go back home for you to mind your own business and then just be nice to other people in the process as they interact with you. It's not what he died for. He wants you to, to be out there doing something. Now, I'm, I can't tell you what that something is or sh should be, but you need to be doing something. And so the disclaimer here with all this is to understand that there's a lot here in First Peter that can uh, be used the wrong way. I've got this book. It's called uh, the Negro Bible. Just picked it up. Um, or the Slave Bible is what it was also called. And what it was, it was this Bible um, that, the, that missionaries were used in the 1800s. And what they did, they took a normal Bible and they said, hey, we want to convert African slaves to Christianity. But we can't just give them this full Bible because it's got stuff in here like the Exodus story for 20 chapters of slaves kind of going against their masters. So what they did, they went through and they took out full books or large portion of books, anything that would have caused trouble. They pulled it out and they left everything in there that would be good for submission and abuse, manipulation, slaves, obey your masters. Even though, yes, sure, slavery and the Bible were the same thing as what happened here in the States, but that wasn't the point. They knew we could use this. So I say that for a simple point. There are 66 books in the Bible, about 70 in the Catholic Bible. Of those 66 books, 1 Peter was only one of five left in the slave Bible in its entirety. One of five left in its entirety. And why is that? Because yes, it's the truth, it's God's word, but that does not mean someone cannot turn it against you and use it for abuse and manipulation. 
when he's doing all this talk about why it's good for you to suffer, why you should submit, uh, why you should do this and why you should do that. It's God's word. Yes, he didn't write it. It wasn't written for that purpose. That does not mean someone cannot use it for that purpose against you. So just be mindful. If you're in a position of power, make sure you're not doing that to the people under you. If you're not the one in power, make sure that it's not happening to you. One good test, uh, as Charles said last week, kind of listen to your conversations. Is your husband the one you're always hearing submission about from? Is, is, is your, uh, the person causing you suffering the one always telling you why it's godly to suffer? That's not a good sign. So be on the lookout for that. And on the other end of that, you know, when backlash comes to that, sometimes we, oh, people are attacking God's word. They're not listening to this, not listening to this. And we say, I'm suffering as a Christian because, you know, there's all this backlash. And I would say, you may not be suffering as a Christian. When I go back to verse 15 and 16, like, I don't think you're suffering as a Christian. I don't think you're suffering as a murder or a thief. But I do think you are suffering as someone with zero compassion. I think you are suffering as a racist or a bigot or homophobic or xenophobic or sexist. Pick the word. But it, it does not mean that just because you're backing what you say with scripture does not mean that you are using that scripture the wrong way and no one should say anything to you for it. So we want to make sure as a church that we're not doing those things. So the question comes, well, when you see these rules in the Bible, what do you do? Let's go take a look at it. Uh, Hike up to verse 3. Take a trip with me up to verse 3 here. Let's see how we're doing on time. Good, good, good. So verse 3, ESV, it says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, and drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. All right, and again, we want to, what would this have meant to the people hearing it for the first time. So let's look at that, because you may, you may have other words there in your Bible too. Abominations, reveling, carousing, uh, lust, lasciviousness, this idea of just doing whatever you want uh, sexually, no real rules on. You may say, well, hey, yeah, that's, we can use this scripture. That's our society, right? Everyone's doing what they want. Cardi B's new song is wild. That's us right there. This is the scripture for me. Uh, and maybe not. Maybe not. So let's look at that. Buckle up, live streamers, stay with me. Um, when you see this idea of sexuality or lasciviousness, think about the Greco-Roman culture at the time. There was not really a word for homosexual or heterosexual. Having a sexual identity wasn't really a thing. You, you were just you, and you slept whatever you want with. If today you slept with this guy and then tomorrow you slept with her, um, you were still Claudius. That, that was just their culture. There wasn't an idea of who I sleep with changes my identity or anything like that. So for them, it was just having sex. There, there wasn't an idea of this is lawless sex or it's super sensual or anything. You're just doing your normal thing. You go down to drunkenness. Very similar, right? The, 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 the phrase, it's five o'clock somewhere, would not have existed in this culture. They drank all the time for everything. You were either drinking water or wine, just about with every meal. And so for, for understand that for us, 
Peter writing about drunkenness to modern day to what is now modern day Turkey would have been like him writing to us saying, um, "Watch out for caffeine addictions," right? None of all of us are drinking coffee or coke or something like that, but none of us are marching on Starbucks claiming caffeine is evil and sinful. We need to stop. And so again, those Gentiles would have looked at this and be like, "Like, what's the problem? Like, this is." Um, in a in an everyday situation, orgies probably the wrong word there. Um, they you know the, the the Greeks they didn't just walk walk in a room with ten people and be like you know what time it is. Um, they this idea comes from that there was a Greek god in the area, really popular in the area, uh, Dionysus, Dionysus, however you want to pronounce it. He was the god of wine. So well, how do you worship the god of wine? You get drunk. He was also the god of fertility. How do you worship the god of fertility? You get it in. And so imagine, I'm sure Peter understands, hey, there may be some of you who have been struggling to have kids. And you say, hey, I've prayed to this Yahweh dude enough. Nothing's happened. Let me try this god of fertility. He may have some, something for me. And at these worship festivals of Dionysus, there was lots of drinking, kind of these central religious ecstasy parties, not ecstasy, I guess, whatever. Um, but this is how they were worshipped in a normal church service to this Gentile nation at the time. So what for us, from this Christian perspective, English in 2020, are all these words that we know, hey, this, these are all bad. Again, someone in the day from the Gentile world may have just read verse 3 as, for the time has passed suffice for doing what the Romans do having sex, drinking coffee, and going to church. And none of those things are crazy to us. And I think that's the point. It's just, this is just how normal and acceptable all these things were. No one on the outside world would have looked and said, we're into some crazy stuff here. You know, so just imagine if today you were trying to talk to someone about planning something for the next weekend and what you did last weekend, and you're like, hey, what about this? And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't go to church. And you're like, okay, cool, cool. When you ask them about this, and they're like, well, I can't go out with you then. I don't drink coffee or soda or chocolate. And you ask them about this, and it's like, well, I don't have sex. I'm not into that. You'd be like, what? Like, what's up with RoboCop here, you know? And so that gives verse 4 its power. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. I think it's our, it's our natural reading to just think of that as like, oh, I'm at a party, someone offers me something, I say no because I'm a Christian, and they start making fun of me. I think some of that's there, but it's not the real strength of just the social norms. You know, because even at a party, you under, people understand, like, uh, there was plenty of parties I was at where I said no to something and they knew it was because of a Christian. They may have said something, but that was the end of it. And the next day, we were still cool, right? He's talking about, like, if you're so far against these social norms that people think you are weird. What's wrong with this person who doesn't like to have sex, doesn't like coffee or soda, doesn't go to church? What's wrong with them? Okay. So we're saying, like, be on the lookout for this and understand that there's a lot in verse three that can still apply to you, even if these particular words don't. Because if you look at you look at how it played out, 
Some of this was for status, right? Who you slept with, whether it was man or woman, it elevated your status. If you had the good wine or the bad wine, that elevated your status at these parties. And so he's saying, what are you doing living in exile that you're doing to get your status elevated? Students, are you like trying to brag that you got all the badges in the video game? Are you trying to, to see what kind of social media following you're having? What are you doing that you're falling in line with the idol worship of the day, right? It's not Dionysus here, but are you trying to be the top athlete at your school and that's your sole focus? Are you trying to make sure you get on the dean's list, you're the number one student at your school, that you're outdoing your sibling, or whatever else it may be? Where's your sense of citizenship, right? Are you trying so for Peter? He's like, hey, if you try to be like the Romans and the Greeks, this is what you're going to fall into doing. For us, we got to consider the same thing. Are you black before you're Christian, before you have these social justice conversations? Are you American before you're Christian, where you will abandon all sense of compassion or love for the sake of holding to your political party or protecting capitalism or that the top value we should all have is freedom of choice, right? And as you can see, that has nothing to do with whether or not you go out and get drunk or have an orgy, but it's still touching the same spirit. And so Jesus kind of, Peter, Jesus' words, uh, <laughs> in verse five and six, where he's basically saying, look, you can try to go these other routes, but whether you're physically alive or dead, spiritually alive or dead, you still got to answer to God, no matter which route you try to take. In verse 17 and 18, there's kind of the same sentiment. Even if you were a Christian and you tried seeking out protection in this particular way, it's like, look, if you're trying to have this life of protection and comfort and fairness, you might be seeking a life that's outside the will of God. And it'd be much better for you if you suffered in Christ's sufferings. Because you don't want to suffer the way he's going to punish the non-Christians. You don't want that. And so another question, well, what do you do then when you see these rules in the Bible? What do you do when you come upon do this, don't do this, uh, this rule, that rule? Um, and so um, I guess one question I would pose is, why do you want to know? Particularly to this sermon, I think there's a def definite value in answering that question. But particularly this sermon, why do you want to know? Because what I found often is what we're trying to do is, how do I put this rule in the Bible on my friends? You're, you're a parent, and your your kid went out and got them got their septum pierced, and you didn't know, and you didn't like it, so now you're running to your youth pastor. Hey, what's what's the scripture on piercings I can still use and tell them why they did was wrong? It's like you don't need to do that. What you need to do is realize you probably don't know your kid as well as you thought you did. Or they've got some pent-up feelings that they haven't told you about. So you don't, you don't need a scripture. You need some gas money to go putt-putting and get to know your kid. You don't need a scripture. You need a football to go play with your kid and get to know them. And so I think that's why he says in verse 8, particularly to this issue, above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. It's like, above all the rule keeping, like, understand you need to love the person next to you. Plenty of times, plenty over and over, I'm asked, well, what about this conversation? How do I have this conversation with my friend, this conversation? And again, do you need to have that right now? What does that conversation have to do with 
you going over the house and playing Uno. Nothing. Is that conversation stopping you from going out to eat with them at beat-ups or catching a movie? There's so much you can do to show you love a person without touching that stuff. I think you should get to it, but when we're just like, I need my scripture so I have my ammo when I go to my friends, I can win this debate. That's not love. So we give some examples of what that looks like. Verse 9, first when he does, show hospitality to one another. Again, what would they have thought? Hospitality for us is like paying for someone's meal, picking up Starbucks on the way for a coworker on the way to work, um, inviting someone over for a dinner. Hospitality to them was someone comes over and not stays for a couple hours. They stay for a couple days. That was hospitality because, again, you're living in this world. They've been kicked out their homeland for the second or third time. So Jews are traveling, and the Jews are going to come knock on your door and say, hey, I just got kicked out of Jerusalem. I need somewhere to stay. And if you really have this permanent motivation of Jesus died for me, he died for them, they're my brother. I'm going to let them in. That's why you're always in hospitality. You see it attached to whether or not you are or not, are not Christian. Because like, if, if this is really your brother in Christ, you would open this door for them and let them stay with you. If you see this traveling preacher who's suffering persecution, that's your brother in Christ, you let them stay with you a couple days. It'd be like if we all got black, if the, all the blacks got kicked out of Indiana and we had to move to Montana, we just lost our homes. Uh, I don't know why I picked Montana. And you, you've been there and then someone knocks on your door, you open the door, it's a black family, and they say, hey, I just got kicked out of my home in Indianapolis. Can I stay with you a couple days while I keep traveling? And you, because you're like, oh, times are crazy. You can't trust people. That's not safe. You say, sorry, brother, I can't today. Do you think the person on the other door is going to think of you as their brother? Who understands what they're going through as someone in exile? No. And we can say times are crazy. Let me tell you, these times are crazy. They were not living in their own homes anymore. And he's saying, hey, we can't start abandoning hospitality just because you want to be safe. And I, I get the wisdom in that, but look at the rest of the chapter. That's not what you were called to. And so for me, th thinking same, even same similar situation, we got a new house uh, two years ago, and it's easy for me to say, oh, we, we had a small house. We need another one. God answered our prayer. He provided for the need. Um, and now let me be thankful to him and, like, like have some friends over. You know, it's, it's like an obligatory thank you card to someone who came to your wedding. I got to do it because you showed up to my stuff. When really back here at this phase one, I need to understand that my needs were already met. I didn't need a new house. We had an apartment. Everything was taken care of. It was small. When we loaded everything on the truck and I went back in, I was like, I don't know how all this stuff was in here, plus us, but our needs were met. Our needs weren't met when we got the house. But there were some other needs that weren't met. God said, hey, I got some family in Ohio that are going to need to come live with you a couple days. You're going to need to be hospitable. You got some family here in Indiana that are going to need to come live with you a couple days. They got nowhere to stay. I got some kids across the city that are going to need to stay at your house a couple of evenings. They need somewhere to sit. I think he was meeting some other needs. And so for that, I have to understand that, like, 
my house should not be like this obligatory, oh, let me thank God every now and then for how he met my need. I need to view it as verse 10. As I've received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's grace. It's like God is letting me borrow what I call my house. He's letting me hold on to the keys. But it's his house. It's a gift he gave me. and I need to steward it how I should. And for whatever that is for you, it's your car, your talent, your time, understands like that's a gift he gave you to use to serve others. Same way, if you speak, hey, if you're going to go encourage someone, speak as if God gave you these words to go speak to them. And it'd almost be like you were disobedient if you didn't go do it. If you're going to serve, don't serve obligatory. Oh, I need community service hours. I signed up for the event. No one else is going to do it. Serve as if God gave you the strength and that you would not have had any other way to get up and go do this thing and help his people. And for us in our life, right, we've had a couple miscarriages. It's easy for me to say, oh, uh, life is a gift. I, I'm, I should be grateful to be alive. And I think that's true. But I think that's like the bare minimum when we're talking about what Peter's talking about here. It's like, he said, I don't want you to just be grateful that you're alive, especially on the heels as he's about to go into this talk about suffering. I think he's saying, hey, I want you to view your life as a gift that I gave you. And you should be doing something with that gift I gave you. And you do it with this permanent motivation that Jesus died for you. You do it not looking to hold rules over other people. You do it as if, like, this, this is what God has called me to. You do it understanding that I may get punished for things I didn't do wrong. I may die for doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, if I say this life is a gift, this is what it's here for. This is what he's called me to do. So I will finish. Uh, we'll read all of First Peter straight through. Go to the top. Now that we've got that background information, uh, we'll just start at verse 1, read it all the way through. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, and that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Showing hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you have shared Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will become, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Amen. God, Father, help us to be your servants. Help us to be obedient uh, to the call you have given us to be good stewards of the gifts you have given us. Let us use this time, uh, even after service, um, to be good stewards of the things you have given us. Get us home safely uh, and let 1 Peter 4 rest in our hearts this week. Amen. Solid Wood Bible Church, located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.